everything that we're seeing at the moment really puts email at the top of the return on investment as the number one channel that consumers want to receive those offers and news and information from brands. So we have to make sure that we are using it in the right way to continue to meet those needs and wants so that email does stay at the top of all of those charts. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today in studio, joining me, I've got Kate Barrett. Now, Kate is the founder of a company in the UK called eFocus Marketing and the Email Marketing Academy. She provides specialist email marketing consultancy, management, and training services to companies all around the world. Now, I had Kate on my podcast very early on. You want to check out episode seven, which is the keys to email marketing in a Snapchat world. I really enjoyed my conversation with her then, and I wanted to have her back on because she has just written a new book on email marketing, which we'll talk about shortly. So she's got a proven track record. She's got over a decade experience in the email marketing arena and specifically increasing results from opens to clicks to sales. So her expertise and passion has helped a you know a very large range of companies develop their um, comprehensive strategies to target subscribers with the right message sent to the right person at the right time and she helps them with all the implementation optimization of those campaigns uh, some of the companies that uh, Kate has worked with just to give you an idea of uh, brand and, and perspective are Nissan Marks and Spencer Argos Vision Direct Soul Trader Photobox My Voucher Coupons Adidas so she's worked with, you know, a number of large brands as as well as a number of new companies that are just moving into the uh, email marketing uh, to help them grow their business up. So she's walked in the shoes of everybody from kind of a startup to a large company. She has been elected as a member of the DMA Email Marketing Council for the last three years, and she regularly speaks around the world. She's a blogger and she's a contributor to Smart Insights, as well as a trainer for the um, IDM. So I look at her as someone who, uh, you know, I follow who uh, does a very good job in her space and is up on the latest email marketing trends. And today I'm super excited because I wanted to have her on the podcast and have her talk about the changes in email over the last year and how uh, we believe it's become more valuable. And also to share a little bit with you about her new released book, which is called E-Intelligence. Email marketing isn't dead the way you're using it is. So with that introduction, I'd like to welcome Kate to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Well, Kate, I'm super excited to have you back on the podcast. So welcome back to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Doug. It is an absolute pleasure to be back. Well, I just remember, as I shared with you a little earlier, um, how much value you brought last time. And I'm so excited to have you back and to and just kind of update people on kind of what you've been doing over the last year since we last spoke about email marketing. Fantastic. So what have you been doing the last year? I mean, the industry has been changing and there's lots of stuff going on. And I know that you've released a book, but it sounds like you've been a very busy, uh, busy, busy person these last few years uh, working in the email space. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm, I'm so lucky that 
having my own business, growing an agency, I get to work with so many fantastic clients doing so many brilliant things with email from just getting started and learning how to really communicate with their customers, how to make the most of this amazing channel that consumers really want to receive information through to those really big companies who have the ability and the data to get so personalized with how they're speaking to people and really optimize and make the most of the channel. I think that over the last year, year and a half, we've had so many amazing developments in email marketing. You know, we're we're not necessarily a channel that it adapts quickly to things, you know, if we take perhaps uh, Outlook and, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's never many massive changes there, but even Outlook's had a change with the, thank goodness, the final <laughs> being able to support animation in some cases in Outlook. You know, we do get there eventually, but I think the last year in particular in Europe with GDPR, you know, it was such a trauma for people when those regulations came in. But for me, I think it has been so positive on our industry. You know, it's things that you and I have been talking about for many, many years and other consultants and and experts that, that we all work with have been talking about for so long in terms of really respecting the people who are on your email list. And I think that GDPR has pushed the industry to making that change and getting in line with what we would see as a best practice and the way to really maximize your engagement anyway. Yeah, I know it's been interesting watching that from afar and then looking at that now kind of seeping across the ocean and into California and, you know, different states in the U.S. that are looking at uh, very similar um, legislation to make sure the consumer data is protected and how we engage and the permissions are there. So you said there's a number of changes that you've seen in the last year. So GDPR obviously is uh, I'm assuming is the is the big one. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But there are there are many others. And I think they come off of the back of GDPR and having to be cleverer with how you're using your database. So whether you're in Europe and you're you know under that legislation or whether you're in America or wherever you are around the world, really the trend is about being customer centric understanding what your customers' needs are, respecting that, and then delivering on it. You know, we know that that's how you're going to see the best return on investment from your campaigns. When you get really engaged with people, when you can encourage their engagement through communications that really make sense to them, that's where you see the best results. So certainly in terms of the strategies behind that, really trying to understand the customer journey, how you can communicate with people through automation throughout that journey, really hitting on that personalization, your right message, right person, right time, that classic saying that we all know we should be working towards. I've certainly seen more of a trend of people even just starting to move towards that, if not really getting involved with technology that's coming out, such as artificial intelligence, you know, the rising companies who are able to help you do that from a basic level, whether that's product recommendations based on what you've bought before, or, you know, we spoke about this before, Doug, in terms of Amazon have been doing this for years. You know, you bought this, you may also like this, or other customers who viewed this product also went on to buy this product. We've had this around for a while. And then on the advanced side, understanding the nuances between what customers have bought and 
what they may go on to buy as an example, but it's about data analysis. It's about understanding your data. It's about finding that correlation between different data points. You know, if you buy a red skirt that's A-line, it's knee length, it's, uh, you know, a wool material, all of those different data points will go towards giving you a different output as to what you may be more likely to buy in the future. So, you know, that's just an example, but personalization has definitely started to come to more to the forefront than it than it ever has been. And I think also allowing people to interact with your emails easier. You know, I think that in a lot of cases we are getting better at adapting our designs. You know, we're not there yet and there will be companies that will take a long time to get there and companies that are at the forefront as with anything, but allowing people to interact within your email. You know, Gmail's just announced its support for AMP and email, allowing a lot more interactivity. Yeah, I saw that. That's cool. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that's just Gmail and, you know, don't get me wrong, Gmail does its own thing and is its own little Gmail bubble, but it's, (laughs) it's indicative of where the industry is really moving towards and helping people to better engage with your content when you send them the right content. So quick, quick question, just, you know, kind of on topic, what do you, what's your feeling on um, people who are mailing using a do not reply address? Oh, okay. So- Sorry, I, I just kind of, kind of snuck in out of the blue. I heard you say people being more responsive. So I can go first, you can go first and, and I'm happy to. Yeah, sure. Happy to see I, your I thoughts. Think, yeah, I think this is a really interesting one because in terms of deliverability and what the mailbox providers are looking at, being able to reply to a message and, and that action of replying is a really positive engagement metric. So we've got, you know, one side for allowing a reply is really good. But if you're a company who actually doesn't have somebody who is monitoring those replies, you almost kind of negate that in terms of a customer experience past the inbox. So I think in in my view, I think you should have a repliable email address. And I think that somebody should be monitoring that or at the very least, if you had some kind of automated response that directed them to how they can get further help. But certainly from a mailbox provider point of view, replying to an email, I certainly wouldn't discourage it because it is a positive engagement. Okay. I was just curious. I mean, I mean, you've been in this industry a long time and speaking and teaching and work with huge brands. And, you know, um, I look at my inbox and, you know, lots of the emailers I get uh, that comes come in and say, you know, do not reply. I'm thinking, man, how do I contact you? Exactly. I don't want to phone. I don't want to mail you. I just want to hit reply. And m- my understanding is still with applications like the G Suite with Gmail is that a reply, you know, indicates that there's engagement in it, which will help your deliverability. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the reason that a lot of brands do go down the route of having a no reply is resources. They don't have somebody on that other side who is going to monitor it. And and I've also had clients where they're perhaps in the insurance industry or banking or something like that, where legally they've had customers previously when they have had a reply address who've actually replied with personal information. So GDPR, I know, right? So with GDPR, with all of these things, you don't want that to happen. So I think that 
as with any of these things, there are circumstances in which you wouldn't want somebody to reply to your emails. But if you're a retail brand or, or something like that, at the very least, have a, an autoresponder on there that replies and says, hey, if you need help, here's how to get in touch with us, you know, that links straight through to your contact form or something that will then help people to get to that end result that they wanted by replying. Yeah, fair comment. So I asked you uh, earlier on when we were speaking before we started recording and uh, I had a question for you and that is, do you think that email marketing is, now I know this is a loaded question because we both work in this space, but do you think it's more valuable today than it was a couple of years ago? Absolutely. And I think that part of that is because we are using it more efficiently on the whole obviously you know there's brands that that meet this and don't meet this but if we look at the statistics out of the UK that have just come from the direct marketing association and their their marketer email tracker return on investment has gone up to 42 pound 24 for every pound spent from last year where it was 32 pound 28 so we've got yeah. up by 10 pounds that's, in a year. that's a huge increase yep it's enormous and i mean even since 2015 we've been steadily increasing from 29 to 31 to 32 but we've had that 10 pound increase and i think there's a couple of reasons for that i think with gdpr in in the, the european union in the uk we are certainly down to marketing lists that want to receive our communications and that are more engaged. And I think that's one reason for it. And the other is that I think that we are getting cleverer with how we calculate return on investment. We're getting more efficient with how we actually review what we're sending. So I do think that, you know, email is certainly it, it, it's a massive part of any marketing mix. You know, the same report showed that 91% of people reported email as being very important to their business. We see across multiple different reports and statistics and directly with my clients, they make such a large proportion of their revenue through email marketing. Sure. That's why GDPR was such a, a big thing for everyone in this country because the revenue and they they'd just been relying on it. They'd been relying on email to do its thing. It was bringing in a lot of money. You know, no one thought about it because of that. And GDPR has really made us think about what we're doing and actually think, oh yeah, email is one of my major revenue drivers. I need to actually divert some resources and budget to building this back up and understanding my customer list and how I can best serve them. So yeah, I think email is, is just getting more and more important within that whole marketing mix. Well, and I think that when we look kind of at the industry, like you said, the industry isn't always the uh, the quickest to adapt and, and to move. <laughs> but, you know, I'm thinking back to um, somebody um, asking uh, Gary Vaynerchuk a question about email marketing. Is it valuable? And he said, yeah, email, you know, you have to have email. And then the question was, do you think it's going to be more or less valuable in, in three to four years? And his comment at that time was he thought it'd be less valuable. And, um, you know, I'm not picking on him. I really like, you know, his foresight. And he's been releasing a lot of old interviews where he's been bang on with his predictions but you know i don't think we could see ai coming in and i don't think we could see gdpr coming in at that point we couldn't see the lack of trust with some of the social platforms i'm not going to name with all the various lawsuits that are going on and i, I just agree with you i think that gdpr kind of uh, hopefully is instilling trust in the consumer that it's um, it's a medium they can trust they can trust that their data has been looked after properly and um you know then you add all the restrictions now with the social channels in terms 
terms of what you can and can't advertise. You know, you can't advertise, you know, weight loss is difficult. Supplements are difficult. CBD is difficult. Cryptocurrency, you know, all these that have been actually banned where you're not allowed to use Google, Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn to advertise. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think email is uh, is um, really enjoying um, a resurgence um, right now. Yeah, and I think that the important thing is to understand where the different marketing channels fit into your strategy. So email underpins everything else that you're doing, helps you to nurture those subscribers, helps you to lead them through to make a sale. Social is more about conversations and that in the moment kind of conversation. So I think that there is a place for everything, but I think email will forever underpin what you do. So, you know, the the title of my my new book is Intelligence. It's using email intelligently. It's email marketing isn't dead the way you're using it is. And we need to adapt as marketers to make sure that email does stay relevant, that email does stay at the forefront of what consumers want to receive and how they want to consume that information. You know, everything that we're seeing at the moment really puts email at the top of the return on investment as the number one channel that consumers want to receive those offers and news and information from brands. So we have to make sure that we are using it in the right way to continue to meet those needs and wants so that email does stay at the top of all of those charts. Yeah, and it's been it's been interesting, like you said, watching kind of the trends and the best practices. I just did interviewed somebody in my podcast that has a, um, a CRM that is using AI and it's heavily reliant on email, but it's using is gathering data. It's understanding, you know, they're using AI to understand the sales cycle, the language in the email between you and your clients back and forth. And that way it's scoring those people, at, you know, identi- very quickly and easily identifying who are the most likely people to buy this next. So you spend and invest your time with your sales team in, in the right area. Oh, and this is where email gets so exciting for me. I think most brands aren't quite there with it yet. And if, you know, if you're one of those brands and you're listening, don't worry, you know, start <laughs> one step at a time and, and keep moving towards that. But if, again, if you are a brand that's listening and you're at that point where you do have the resources to do that data analysis, to get so deep within your emails and to your strategy that you can really focus on that one-to-one personalization, that understanding and deliverance of what the customers want and need before they even know that they want and need it in many cases, you know, whether that's through email, which it primarily will be as the number one marketing channel. But of course, we have to also understand that our consumers, our subscribers, our audience don't care that we work in email marketing, don't care that we work in social media or search. They don't care what our day-to-day jobs are. What they care about is the interaction with the brand. So yes, on the whole, you know, 91% rated email as as massively important to um, how they want to receive that email from organizations. But we have to make sure that we are honoring that and giving them the right information and and having those kind of messages internally, those communications, those strategies where we can understand that consumer down to that minute level and use the technology to help us do that and then deliver it. That's really exciting. 
Yeah, it's funny too. I mean, even uh, my in my own email list, I've gone through this transition of thinking. You know, I used to get most excited about seeing new people subscribe, and I used to be most upset about seeing people unsubscribe because I'm thinking, well, you know, why are you unsubscribing? And and now I just told somebody last week. I said I think I'm more excited to see people unsubscribe than new people join because what I'm doing is I'm finding my tribe. So I'm mailing and respecting the people on the list. I'm providing information and benefit to to you know help them improve their their market and their business and if it doesn't fit like if what i'm sending doesn't meet their needs then i'm happy to have them unsubscribe opposed to ignore my email because i want better deliverability i want to engage with people who want like you said who want to have that interaction connect and and have a conversation and as an email marketer, I probably shouldn't say this, but, <laughs> you know, just because somebody unsubscribes, it, it just means that they don't necessarily want to receive emails from you at this time. They might still engage with your brand directly. They might still engage with your brand through social media. It may just be that email isn't quite right for them right now. So, you know, we have to respect that and respect what is the right channel for them at yeah. the right time. Yeah, one of the articles I'd published a while ago was it, it was kind of the interaction, how email played so nicely with social media. And so we've taken now with our clients to recommending that they, in their welcome message, they right away ask to have a deeper connection with them on the social platforms. Absolutely. And, and again, it's a different relationship from email. It doesn't take away from email. It, it adds to email. It adds to the relationship with your brand. You know, all of these channels work better when they work together. So when your email marketing advertises your social media, your social media advertises your email marketing, it advertises that connected journey with the brand across all of the channels. So I totally agree with that. Well, and I think it's it's no different than, you know, you know, the relationships that we have with people that we work with. So often we're we have a conversation on the phone and we have an email or we have a, a video conference and then, you know, we might be in a boardroom. So we're in a formal business setting. And so that is one style of communication, like you're saying, which is more business transactional focused. And then there's the opportunity where you may have a client or a supplier. You might go for dinner. You might go to a hockey game or a football game or a, or, or a whatever, um, totally different environment. And it's more social. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just taking the relationship to a, a different, a deeper level. Exactly. Yes. Totally agree. So what are you most excited about in the next, uh, the next six to 12 months in, in the email space? Oh, that's a question and a half. I think the continuance of my clients to want to better understand their customers and better target them with the right content at the right time. I think for me, that's something that I'm I'm always going to see as different brands come in at different levels and want to improve what they're doing. So that's a kind of an eternal excitement for me is, is always seeing somebody who wants to move to the next level. I think in terms of something more advanced, obviously artificial intelligence, but I think the, the interactivity in the inbox, it's been brewing for a few years now in terms of videos playing in email on certain devices in terms of being able to buy directly from the email kinetic design you know having um, companies out there now where you can vote on on polls and have the results come up straight in your email that for me I think is going to be over the next few years a really interesting space to watch and again it's how do we make those interactions as easy as possible for people and give them the ability to get to where they want to go and the action that they wanted to take and that we want them to take 
right there in the email. So for me, that's what I'm really watching at the moment in the industry. And to uh, steal a Tim Ferriss uh, question, what's some of the bad advice you're hearing right now? You know, I'm not asking you to name names, but what's some of the bad <laughs> advice you're hearing? <laughs> in, I just want to clarify that. I didn't want to put any pressure on you, but in the industry uh, right now as it goes, or maybe just in the direct marketing industry as a whole, as it relates to email. Yeah, I think bad advice would be anyone who tells you not to focus on email and just to focus on social media or any channels like that because of everything that we've already discussed. I think you need that multi-channel strategy. You do need to connect in together. I think that's probably the biggest thing. And anyone who is advising to just send the same message to everyone, the batch and blast, you know, look, there's a place for messaging that surprises someone with something that is outside of the realm of what they expected, because, you know, that's where the advertising industry was born, was suggesting products and services to people that they didn't even know that they wanted or needed. So I think there is a a place for cleverly including suggestions to people but batch and blast is is absolutely for me not where it's at anymore we've got to get personal we've got to really consider what the customer needs and then build that into a targeted strategy well, it's, I'm, I'm, you can't see me because obviously we're just, you know, using audio, but I'm just smiling because I just read an article. It was just published a couple of days ago and it said why the email batch and blast practice is addictive and how to end it. Uh, nice title. <laughs> so I will, I'll send you a copy of the article when we're, when we're done recording here, because they said it's, they call it the junk food of marketing and, and why you don't need to do that. So this, that just emphasizes exactly your point that, you know, we've got the ability to, you know, use the, our email tools to segment our data and to treat um, our subscribers differently, not treat them all the same with the same information at the same time. But do you know, I, I actually, I love that title and I, I truly understand how people are still in that strategy and so many people still do it. So, you know, again, if you're listening and that's what you're doing, don't feel bad about it. Just work towards improving those levels, bring down the levels of, of batch and blast. But we are so up against it as marketers, you know, in our day-to-day roles, it, when you're working company side, you know, I've worked company side for many, many years before starting my own agency. And I totally understand the pressures you've got pressures coming down from, you know, up above you in the business to do more, send more, make more revenue. And with the resources that you have and the budgets that you have internally, the easiest way to do that is just to send more email. But we've really got to send more email more intelligently. And I think what we really need to do and what I'm really passionate about, not just because I'm an agency owner and obviously, you know, I need people to increase budgets to to come and, and take on my services, but I think we really need to be able to improve how we champion email. We know that it's one of our top performing marketing streams. And it isn't, if it's not one of your top performing marketing streams, that in itself says a lot and that you need to be investing in it. And if it is one of your top performing marketing streams, why aren't you investing more in it to make it even better and grow it as a channel? We really need to be able to get behind email and make sure that within the marketing budgets, that whether that's for internal 
internal resources or external expert resources to to come in and, and assist you with those new campaigns, those new strategies and moving forward. We've got to be the champion for email. We need to be able to fight for that budget over the new and shiny and sexy because, you know, generating revenue is what is the sexiest to a business. So email's got to be there at the forefront. Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to um, pick on social because I, I like social. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, if, if you look at your Instagram account, it doesn't matter how many followers you have, what at the end of the day your CFO is looking for is how many orders did you get from it? Absolutely. And like we said, they all have a place in the marketing mix. They all have their own way of uh, improving and working towards those business goals. But email's got to be your foundation. So is there one easy tip you could share with our listeners now in terms of how to get out of the batch and blast? What's kind of the first step you want to take to uh, to do that, to move towards, um, you know, more personalized approach? Okay. So the one of the things that I talk about in my book is is understanding where you are. It's, it's the very first chapter. So it's knowing what you've got in your business already before you move on to optimizing and then adding to it. So one of the ways to do that is to conduct a data audit to truly understand what data you have, what data you're using for your email marketing right now, what data you have in your business elsewhere, but you aren't using it for your email marketing right now, or perhaps you can't access it. It's not available to come into your email marketing platform, your marketing automation system. It's somewhere else in the business, but it is being collected. Once you know that, you know, okay, so I've got this data, but I can't access it right now. I need to put a job into the business to allow me to get access to this data. Doing this kind of data audit will allow you to see where the gaps are in your data. What kind of data might you want to collect going forward in order to get more personal with your campaigns? So it all starts with knowing what you've got, what you'd like to have, what you need to have and where it all is in your business or if it's missing. So that's the first place that I would start. Well, there you go. That was a pretty simple. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking that's a pretty obvious step. You need to figure out where you are before you <laughs> try to plot a uh, course to where you want to go. Exactly. But so many businesses forget that. And I think also when you have a turnover of staff, whether that's you know yearly or five yearly, there's going to be information that's lost. So making sure that you have documented what you have sending where, you know, the amount of companies that I've seen who have triggered communications, for example, transactional messages that are sending from their sales systems and not their email marketing platform, but they don't have access to them. They don't know what's sending. They don't know why it's sending. Having all of this information documented is so important so that you can say, ah, hang on a minute, there's the gaps in my strategy. Here are the areas in that customer life cycle where I'm not doing my customers justice. Here's the low hanging fruit where I could be making a lot of revenue. You know, retail companies who haven't implemented an abandoned basket or abandoned browse program yet, really low hanging fruit. But unless you know what's in place in your business right now, why you are sending each and every one of those campaigns, how that relates back to your marketing objectives and your bigger business objectives. And then the data that's feeding into all of that, unless you have that mapped out and you can understand it, you know, that information can so easily be lost with a turnover of staff. So it's the first place to start. Really important. Well, and it'll also show where you're not congruent with your brand. Like you said, if you've got transactional emails coming out from um, your 
e-commerce platform, it would make sense to have, you know, all your messaging be consistent and the same voice and the same brand look and feel because, you know, there's a probably a high likelihood that it doesn't all look the same. Definitely. And I think if you are, you know, a, a big brand, big business that has hundreds or thousands of different email campaigns that are happening, you know, this is a big task. But exactly like you said, some of those campaigns may have been set up a year ago, two years ago, more than that. Are they still in the right branding, the right brand tone, the right <laughs> message, right. the right yeah. information? So you've really got to start with knowing where you are to give you a solid foundation so that you can move on to the sexy stuff and start to optimize what you're doing and then add to it with really customer centric campaigns that are going to help you to meet those business objectives. Well, that's a good segue to talk about the new sexy stuff. So let's talk about uh, why email marketing is, isn't dead. It's the way you're using it. Let's talk about your new book that you've written. So why don't you share with us, you know, your thinking behind the book and just, uh, you know, give us some details on uh, what people could expect to find when they open it up and, and start digging in. Fabulous. So the reason that I wrote the book was because I think that in our industry, there is a definite lack of knowledge. You know, we don't know what we don't know. And yes, there's blog posts and, you know, so much content that we could consume. I think that sometimes we need it laid out for us in a really easy to follow strategy where we can really understand each of those elements and give us actionable steps to move forward. So, you know, whether you're a marketing exec just coming into, into the industry who wants to adapt your knowledge and really push your career forward and show what email can do, or if you're the director of a big marketing department and you want to be able to improve your knowledge in those specific marketing areas, in this case, email, to help your team move forward, this is definitely the book for you. So, what I do with the book is to lay out those five key elements, the five steps that I think are really important. And, and when I work with my clients, these are the five areas that really help them to move forward with what they're doing and increase the revenue and get the fantastic ROIs that, that they see. So those five chapters are knowing what you've got already. So when doing that, it's about doing an audit and we do audits for our clients all day, every day to really understand what's there and what the opportunities are. When you know what you've got in place in your business, you can then direct your resources and budget strategically to target those areas that are going to have the most impact for your business. So chapter two is really about improving what you've got now. So for example, if you've already got an abandoned basket campaign set up, but you're only sending one email, expand that. Do a series of three emails. Understand the content that you're putting into that email series. You know, I think this is a, a really great example of uh, where a lot of people go wrong with these types of communications, that they, they think that just by reiterating you've left products in your basket or, or whatever it might be, <laughs> that people are automatically going to come back and buy. But what we need is, again, go back to that understanding of your customers. Why are they abandoning their basket? Is it because they're still looking for the right product? Is it because they've actually found that product elsewhere and gone and bought it from a competitor of yours? So you need to understand those points in the journey at that stage for that customer and reiterate the right 
message to them. So yes, saying you've left your items in your basket might be one of those emails and part of the content that you put out there, but it could also be recommending other products that other people who viewed those products also went on to buy or to view. Sure. And taking a more personal approach, understanding that they they came there with a, they had a problem they wanted to solve. So yes, there's stuff in their basket, but the problem that they're trying to solve is probably still a problem today if they haven't bought the product. Exactly. Exactly. And maybe another problem came up while they were trying to solve that problem. You know, maybe (laughs) they, they didn't understand there was something about your purchase process or something about the product that they weren't quite sure about. So how can you offer them the help for them to understand that that product meets their need or their problem? So, you know, you've really got to understand your customers. So knowing what you've got already, improving what you're doing now, and then going on to the the new shiny stuff. So chapter three is all about filling in your gaps. It's about identifying those areas in the customer journey that you're not currently serving campaigns and starting to build out those journeys and how you can better enhance that experience that they have with you. So those are kind of the, the first three chapters. And I think that they are so critical. And and again, you know, these are things that I work on with my clients every day that I wanted to give that knowledge to other people who are just starting out or who want to expand what they're doing with email marketing and don't know where to start. So the first three chapters really drill down on those elements. Well, and I, I think that, like you said, understanding the customer journey, I think often, and I can't speak for anyone else, so speak for myself, I assume that by the time somebody hits my website or client website, you know, that that they're, you know, where they've come in. I've got in my mind where they are in the customer journey. But like you said, people come in and hit your and meet your company in different places. And if you're using some intelligence and you're using some, some web data, um, you can help move them along the journey. They might be doing some initial research or they might be at a point when they're ready to buy and you've got the ability to, by being smart about it and maybe using AI and some of the tools that are out there, identifying where they are and help give them the information that they need to make the decision to go forward with you or not. Exactly. And that's why it's so important to understand the data that you hold on people and then how you can utilize that data, analyze it, find those correlations, find those behaviors and nuggets that are going to point you in the right direction as to where they are in the journey, but also who they are and how you can best communicate with them. So definitely starting with that data audit and it all comes back to who those subscribers are on your email list. So chapter four is all about growing your audience, but growing your audience with the right kinds of people. So we kind of give a, a top level walkthrough of uh, your sign up process, making your opt in attractive, all of those elements. And then of course, it's all about reaching your audience. So chapter five is all about deliverability and a, an introduction to what those elements are. Because again, In terms of marketers, what I often see is a a lack of understanding of those basic elements that come into deliverability and inbox placement and the difference between the two as well. So I wanted to, you know, kind of have a, a high level introduction around growing your audience with the right people and reaching your audience with deliverability in those last two chapters as well. 
Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, growing growing your audience, um, you know, I think we've all fallen into the trap at some point of more is better. But um, I think it's like you said, it's having the right people on the list. It's not, you know, to to offer up something to entice somebody to sign up. You know, you may be doing yourself a disservice if your enticement is so good that you fill your list, but you don't fill your list full of people who are interested in your brand, or your product. Absolutely. And and definitely GDPR has helped us with our list quality. And Overall, it's about making sure that the people who are coming onto your list want to be there, know what to expect, and then you deliver on those expectations. So it's really, really critical. I got the nicest email from somebody that's in our email group um, that you and I belong to at the Only Influencers. And his comment was, I like your welcome message because you set expectations very clearly of what I was going to get. Love it. Yeah, it, it's so critical because we don't want any nasty surprises. Um, we do want to let people know what we're going to send them. And if you're hiding behind that, you need to think about, are you actually sending what people want? You know, if you're <laughs> yeah, not right. willing yep. to put it out there and explain it, well, maybe you're not sending the right thing in general. So, you know, we, we shouldn't be hiding behind this. We should be really transparent about what's going to happen. Absolutely. So um, where can people find you and uh, how can people get uh, get a copy of your book? Sure. So it's it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon in the UK and it's on Amazon in the US. So if you just search for e-intelligence on Amazon, you will find it. Or you can go to my website, www.e-focusmarketing.com. And of course, I'm on all the socials as well. So just search for (laughs) e-focus marketing or search for Kate Barrett on LinkedIn and you will find me. Well, excellent. Hey, thanks so much for taking time just to share a little bit more with us and our audience of kind of, you know, what's happened in the last year and where you're at and what you're doing. And, you know, the excitement about the uh, email as it continues to grow against what many experts have said, you know, it was it was dead and it's not working. Um, and clearly the numbers are showing an increase of 10 pounds per dollar spent is a pretty nice increase. It's a little bit more interest than you'd get at the bank. Absolutely. And, you know, as, as the book title said, it's all about intelligence. Email marketing isn't dead the way you're using it is. There you go. Couldn't have said it better. Thanks so much, Kate. Appreciate your time. Um, looking forward to digging into your book. Um, thanks, audience, for tuning in. I hope uh, you found some good value here, some new information. I really enjoyed the conversation with Kate um, on and offline. Uh, we're involved in a, an online group where there's lots of discussion. She's got lots to offer. She's a real smart marketer. And I encourage you to check her out, head over to her website and go to Amazon and uh, buy a copy of her book. So thanks, Kate. Thanks, audience, for tuning in. And we look forward to serving you on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting DougMorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's DougMorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.